Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Chris and Andre Show. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Chris and Andre Show. As always, we are your loyal hosts. I am Chris. And I'm Andre. And we are getting into like the big rant months. this week. It's actually been a couple of weeks since we've recorded. Uh, you Here may have Chris noticed a little Rose. little bit of absence uh, there. I got caught up on all of the old episodes, so you didn't miss anything. Not missing anything at all, in fact. Um, but some life, you know, happening. You know, birth of a child, those sorts of things. Nothing major. Just uh, you know, I had to take a couple of weeks off for that. But uh, we're back at it. And we've got a pretty juicy topic this week that we're going to be discussing infotainment um so i think there's a couple of different angles that we're, we're kind of looking at this from you know we've been sharing some articles back and forth over the last couple of weeks um we've talked a lot about john oliver and some daily show stuff trevor noah those kinds of guys um but i know that there was something from axios that you found today that you wanted to kind of kick things off with yeah so as we continue to look think you know look at these things it's, it's ironic it's you know, this article came out July 12th of 2022. The headline is News Engagement Plummets as Americans Tune Out. Yeah, that title itself would, would not have made me click the uh, the article because it sounded <laughs> kind of clickbaity. Uh, but there was a chart in, the, in my Google News Feed that pretty much says that news, news engagement on social media, it's like down 50%. Cable news, prime time, down 19%. Uh, news media app sessions, uh, so you know that could be from various sources. Down 16%. And unique visits to top five news sites: MSNBC, CNN, Fox News, down a, totally 18%. Uh, Fox News is up, I think, 19%. Yeah, but, I did how like they lumped those all together, and then were like, but really, it's CNN and NBC <laughs> or MSNBC that are like just getting taken behind the woodshed and like it fox news is like oh we're actually doing pretty good right now yeah they've got their alternative facts and we'll give that to them but the the key thing from here from the why it matters section is americans have grown exhausted from the constant barrage of bad headlines <laughs> bad headlines that have replaced trump era crisis uh crises scandals and tweets um sure they're they're <laughs> part of the problem so their headline was not um, – I don't know who that really speaks to. I don't know if it speaks to journalists. I don't think it speaks to a vast majority of the American public. But they got their point across, and I, I don't doubt it. Yeah, I think there's a couple of different things that I took away from that. I mean, one, I think, you know, there is the element of uh, an erosion of trust in news media – Right. So whether that's, you know, people leaning towards Fox News because they feel like that's presenting a, a series of uh, facts, we'll put the quotation marks around them, right. um, that line up with their beliefs. And so then they're just kind of ignoring everything else. And that's why we're seeing more in the Fox News. I think there's also the element of fatigue, you know, like it's been, what, 50 years, 40 years, something like that, since CNN kind of first came on and started doing this, like, or 30 years? I don't know. I think 50s is kind of a stretch. So I think it's 30 plus, close to 40 years. Okay. Well, it's 30-ish years. We'll call it 40 just for the sake of this conversation because right. that's what I'm going to do. Um, but, yeah, I mean, after a while, we've talked about it before. Like, you just kind of 
everything is breaking news. And when everything is breaking news, nothing is breaking news in a right. sense. And when everyone's super, <laughs> no one will be. So it well, almost. It's, 40, it's CNN's been around for 42 years. Ooh. I think sub- subconsciously, I don't want to admit that because. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, you and CNN are kind of neck and neck there, right? <laughs> hmm. Wow, I'm sad now. <laughs> but continue. Well, yeah, I just I think that it's um, it's fatigue. It's you know, it's a it's a and, it, and there's fatigue for a couple of different reasons. One. We've gone through so much over the last five years where everything was a new scandal or a new, like, headline. You know, Trump was doing something that, not that it hadn't been done before, but that somebody in his position typically wasn't getting caught doing it regularly. (laughs) And so, to some degree, it felt like we got just bombarded i mean i remember during the campaign it was like every other day it first it was like every week and then it was every other day and then it was every day and then it was every half a day and it was, something new would come out where you'd sit there and be like oh well that's got to be it this i gotta tune in because this is the thing <laughs> that's finally gonna you know like be the the final nail in the coffin and it wasn't i mean it, it never was so what does that ultimately say when you get to a point where he's no longer in office and so you don't have that I mean he's still around obviously the media is continuing to help make him relevant in a sense with the amount of attention that they pay to him and the fact that they want to carry his statements that he puts out even though I mean I see it on Twitter all the time or I used to when I was on Twitter where people are retweeting or tweeting out his statements. And I'm like, the guy is banned from Twitter, but you feel the need to post his messages on Twitter. And I... So I, I, I kind of... Trump's presidency is kind of like the perpetual like jump scare. <laughs> so maybe the country got addicted to the... You know, waiting for the jump scare. We knew it was going to happen. Uh, and what typically happens with those jump scares is nothing happens. So... Uh, you know, every time I think about Trump being in the headline, I'm like, oh, here's another jump scare. Um, so that legacy, um, it, it continues on. It, what's interesting is uh, I, I watch uh, reliable sources on Sunday on CNN and Brian Skeltzer. I, I think I, I know I just butchered his last name. Yeah, you did. Uh, <laughs> sorry, Brian. It's okay. But I'm sure we're gonna, he's listening. We're going to tag you, Brian, because I literally watch your. I pro, I think it's very rare. I don't watch reliable sources. It's a fairly uh, well. I don't want to say consistent. It's a good attempt to try to bring some type of um, behind the curtain on on news media. There have been times where there's a little bit of bias showing, and I, you know, just kind of, it, I acknowledge it and I move on. But for the most part, it's somewhat fair. Uh, for example, this past week they had a, uh, a journalist from, who's actually from the UK. She made a comparison between the UK or like, the BBC and American media, and the guy from the Washington Post took offense to it. You know, 
but her fact was in point, which I can actually concur to. I listen to BBC America or the BBC World News every morning at nine o'clock, and it's again, it's facts, facts, facts. Nobody's trying to you know throw an opinion at you. Uh, to the you know the, the contrast is American media where there's an opinion, like there's there, there's no mistaking the opinions that that the anchors I won't call them journalists. But the anchors have when it comes to you know covering a story. And their personalities, as much as anything, at this point. Sure, that's fair. That is that is very fair. Well, I so CNN does a pretty good job of like the switching bait. So they'll send uh, like uh, John Berman to Ukraine because now he's no longer sitting on a desk. He's reporting from Kiev, mm-hmm. uh, and they'll send Jake Tapper to you know Kiev, and and so there's, there's everybody a, goes to Kiev. <laughs> It was actually kind of bold, you know, like Don uh, Don Lemon in Kiev, like or actually he didn't go to Kiev. He went to a city that was not under heavy bombardment, so it, it gives them some credibility. And I'm not saying that uh, they 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 are not journalists. I'm just saying it, it's it's definitely a ruse. <laughs> it's it really is. Um, on this past week, along in that same session, towards the end of the episode, and I would give a critique there. If the show is called Reliable Sources and you put the co- one of the co-founders and editors uh, of Vox on, uh, and you put her on the in the last segment, which is like roughly three minutes, mm-hmm. to try to prove a point of, you know, hey, this is wrong, and what can we do to fix it? You gave it little to no attention. Right. Like, um, I, I just found I found that very disappointing, and uh, blatant. Like, uh, and I'm looking at my notes here, uh, Melissa Bell. Right. Uh, that's a bigger issue than most of the things they were talking about. I really don't care about, you know, uh, Elon Musk again and Twitter. I think that is a, uh, a, I think Twitter is a, a tool used by journalists and they probably care more about it than most people. Uh, it's used by activists. They probably care about it more than most people. So uh, Elon Musk buying or not buying Twitter, as I said months ago. Not a big deal. It's probably not going to happen. And guess what? Man. <laughs> Man, if people would have listened to me about Bitcoin, they could have saved a lot of money. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I uh, I don't have cable news, so I don't watch CNN live. But when you mentioned the Reliable Sources uh, segment, specifically the one with the Vox News, uh, with Melissa Bell from Vox, I, I guess it's not Vox News, it's Vox Media. Um, I went and checked it out. I wanted to watch that segment and kind of get a feel for what she was talking about. And she said a couple of things that I think were accurate, you know, um, talking about the fact that the way that the news is covered these days where it's Ukraine, we go, we report live for three weeks and then, you know, maybe a month. And then it's just kind of, all right, well, what's the next big thing that we can make a big deal out of? Yeah, we'll kind of touch on it every once in a while, but for the most part, we're done with that story. Um, You know, was it Brian Stetter? (laughs) No, it's not. Seltzer? (laughs) I'm going to Google it. Captain Seltzer Water? Um, I think he, was it him or, or he or she that asked... You know, what do we do with the coverage? Can we actually affect change uh, 
We started Vox really to help people understand the news. That was the first thing that we started thinking about eight years ago. How do we help people understand what's happening, the context, the historical context? Um, but now we're thinking more and more, not just about the about how to help people understand, but how, what to do with the next step when they have the information. What can they do with that what information? What can they do with that? That is really the key, isn't it, right? What can you do with the information? Right. Can you affect any change at all? But yeah, this question of what do we do with this coverage? How does this ultimately impact us? And is there something that we can do to affect change? And I think, you know, in the case of Ukraine, no, like there's not anything directly that we're going to be able to do to solve the issue in Ukraine right now. Um, that's, you know, other than like lobbying, you know, or, or contacting our government officials, but even that I think is going to have minimal impact in that sort of situation. Right. Um, you had mentioned something else. I don't think it was from that particular segment. Maybe it was from the earlier one, the Washington Post, where they talked about that the fact that they try to find stories that appeal to their readership or their, their viewers. And I think when we were talking on the phone yesterday, you were you were kind of like, well, that, but that's bullshit. Like, that's not at all. <laughs> and I think, I don't know, there's... There's an element of it where, okay, maybe you craft the story to appeal to your readership or your viewers by writing your catchy headline, right? Uh, your clickbaity title. But right. beyond that, it's ultimately stuff that you are still choosing to report on for ad dollars, for revenue, for whatever it may be. But it's not necessarily like this is what we think is going to be best for our readership. This is what... <laughs> What, what's interesting is that we literally, like, we mentioned this show because it's an input that I take. We're talking about it, but at the same time, I can say they're not listening. Excuse me. I can't hear you. Right? I'm just sitting here thinking in my head, like, wow. <laughs> How many times do you restate the same problem? Like, we literally are going to share this uh, this conversation and at the same time we know it, it's not going to solve anything because but they they say they try to craft their content or, or their you know the stories they cover to the readers well you're not listening i can tell you flat out that you're not listening we can critique what you're doing i can critique and tell you that why would you give probably the most important item of of a show name reliable sources, you give the topic that probably defines the title and supports the title less than five minutes. And you stick it at the very end when and most people have the, yeah. already changed the channel and aren't, haven't come back. Right. Yeah. So, I mean, I just find that very disappointing. Um, and you're right. Uh, it's, it's clickbait is, it is what it is. And for, uh, if you're a discerning reader and you are, you've become either you become accustomed to it or you become numb to it. The issue remains that you're only going to attract so many to your so many people to your title. And if the content is, the, the contents of your message is is pretty much lame duck type of stuff. Nobody's going to go back, and people will the the trust will continue to deteriorate. Um, it's just really frustrating. It's very disappointing. Uh, and, and Mr. Stelter, this is not a knock against you. I think that you've covered some really interesting things about journalism because me as a person, 
I personally believe that the argument that journalists make about freedom in the press is it's kind of pointless. Like, I, I just really believe that. I don't think it's unimportant. I just think that you guys, you, you talk about it, but you're not good stewards of the of the right that people are, one of the rights that people are so uh, cautious of walking all over. I just think that journalists in general are poor stewards of that. Yeah, and I think you would talk about clickbaity, you know, headlines and titles, and you touched on it that you either become immune or kind of numb to those effects eventually, and then you you tune everything out altogether. Right. And it's not that you become better at discerning what's clickbaity and what's not necessarily. It's more, well, I know from my experience that I am unlikely to be able to trust this source to deliver on the promise of the headline. So I'm not going to bother engaging with it. Right. And they wonder why, you know, news viewership is down like (laughs) to its lowest point, even pre pandemic numbers. To be fair, uh, it's all about, and, and it's infotainment, right? Um, Joe, friend of the show, Joe said this a couple of weeks ago, and we probably have a clip of it. Where he just said that we've, and I'm paraphrasing, so I don't want to take away from you know, Joe's credit. Um, we just like, it's like having the the information in a, in a more palatable form, um, and we're going to dig more into that as we go on. But I, I think he's not wrong. It's all about can we keep people entertained for ad dollars, et cetera, et cetera. There's no incentive for a CNN, MSNBC, Fox News, OAN. Um, or, or any even local news to to report the news in an unbiased manner, their incentive is to keep the lights on. As a business, I understand that, but I think that you're you're there's no uh, it's I know it's not a fiduciary relationship, but you're also you're not building a, a relationship built on trust in many ways. So. Well, it's. You know, it's one thing when you have a news anchor who's talking about a story and, you know, says, to be clear, you know, just for um, posterity's sake, like, you know, so-and-so is a sponsor of this program, you know, or, you know, X company. CNN is owned by uh, Discovery Plus. Sure. Right. Got it. Yeah. Things Fantastic. like that. Like, okay, at, at least be transparent about that relationship and i think that is an important piece because it it absolutely has the potential whether or not it happens all the time it has the potential to impact the way that stories are reported and i think people deserve to know that now granted you can do a little bit of research like i did this afternoon looking up who owns the majority of mainstream media in the united states and a couple of like really concerning things. I mean, we know we've talked about before, like the Washington Post is owned by Jeff Bezos. Um, you know, CNN is owned by Discovery, AT&T, Warner Brothers, that whole massive conglomerate. Um, Randall Stevenson, who is actually the president of the Boy Scouts of America, apparently is one of the largest stakeholders for both Warner Brothers and therefore CNN. Um, I also discovered that there's a ton of local news stations that are owned by EW Scripps. 
So, you know that fancy spelling bee that gets put on yeah. every year? Same company owns uh, 133 local news stations or their affiliates. And it's the fourth largest local TV broadcaster. Um, the second largest broadcaster of all ABC affiliates, which is kind of interesting. Uh, Isn't Sinclair broadcasting on most of those? I think so. I think Sinclair okay. or Hearst was the other one. Right. It's like those are one, two, and three in some order there. Obviously, we know Fox News is owned by News Corp, which is owned primarily, or has, uh, Rupert Murdoch has a controlling stake in that company. Um, but they also own 28 uh, and operate 28 Fox News uh, stations or Fox stations, um, 43 of them under the Next Star and 59 under Sinclair. So, again, major broadcasting kind of conglomerates here, right? These right. just – I don't think that it's helpful <laughs> for the <laughs> cause of the free press for these to be owned by essentially a small handful of organizations. It's the same thing with local newspapers. Like, I mean, that was the other thing that stood out to me is that there's 672 major – daily newspapers in this country and more than 50% of them are owned by seven companies. Huh. That's, um, that's depressing. And tangentially, I know some of this stuff, right? Like I, I, I'm a big, uh, consumer of CNBC, not so much recently because, um, their bias is showing in a lot of things and some of their, uh, personalities are, are, or, or gut-wrenching, and it just, it's really frustrating. Unlike um, our personalities, which are sparkling. <laughs> sparkle, sparkle. It's, it, it starts to, it's just, it's really depressing, but let's, let's go, let's circle back around to some of the, to what that would lead them to do. So one thing that I've really started to get annoyed with is that you can't present a quote-unquote expert on a situation and tell me about their book. Like, I just, I'm beyond that. It's like, you know, Chris Smith, you know, author of How to, you know, Fold 16 Ties While Singing Three Pop Tunes. That's not the or, book that I wrote. I don't know, but whatever. <laughs> you know, it's called How to Make a Podcast Really, Really Popular in 383 <laughs> Years. Sure, great. <laughs> so, I mean, like, I, I, I lose trust when you're, uh, you're, you're inviting somebody on to sell a product. Right. And the second type of person I lose trust in, or I, I lose, you lose credibility, is like a Nina Turner. Hmm. Um, I'm sorry. <laughs> no, you don't have to apologize. I watched that clip. I mean, you should apologize for making me watch that because it was atrocious. Well, this is John and Brianna. This is about life and death. So if the Democrats, my party, wants to push back the neo-fascist a tidal wave that is happening from the courts to the streets, then it is going to have to deliver and change material conditions for the people. I was, that was a word in my head. He stole the word in my head. I yes. apologize. <laughs> it's, why would you invite her on a show to, not that she didn't have points. She did have points. I respect her points. I'm not going to say opinions, but, Politically, Democrats do themselves a disjustice when they say we should fortify abortions on federal land. Are you 
crazy? Have you lost your fucking mind? Ooh, <laughs> even better, I saw somebody suggested that they just have a floating barge in the middle of the Gulf of Mexico to perform abortions for people in the in southern, southwest, and southeast states. Because, you know, like, it's really that's, easy that's for feasible. people to, to get out there. And yeah. You can't, you can't drive to an abortion clinic, but you can get a ferry to a barge. Um, so... Her, the segment was painful to watch, to say the least. I, I don't understand. I, I don't understand why you would want to have, like, uh, to make the conversation that much more divisive. You have a, again, it would be, quote unquote, be a colleague, a Democratic strategist, and you have Nina Turner, who, yes, it is important, but she's still not saying the things that should be happening. Why are we still looking after a federal solution to these problems? Like, if 22 states are enacting these laws, why aren't we focused on the 20, like, are, are, why, don't we, why don't Democrats have a strategy to, like, win over these Democratic states? Why is she still advocating, you know, uh, expanding the court? That makes literally no sense. That, that would be tit for tat. It can't happen. It can't happen. The court's been expanded, I believe, twice. No, 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 but I'm saying there's nothing that they can do right now to expand the court. You know? You, right. Even and come that, November. Even that point, yeah. But like, it's not even a good strategy. No, it's not. Because you're absolutely right. All that happens when you expand the court for this particular purpose is they will turn around and do the exact same thing given the opportunity. I mean, look at what happened with gerrymandering in North Carolina, right? For years, the Democrats gerrymandered stuff in their favor Republicans got control, and then they made it so much worse. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and that's so, not to say that the Democrats were right when they did it. They were absolutely wrong. There's no – I mean, we've gone on and on about gerrymandering before, so I won't belabor the point. But it's just that when you – I don't know. I thought it was interesting. We talked a while back about the uh, Joe Biden – President Biden on the Jimmy Kimmel show. And one of the things that I – I actually appreciated his answer about was when Jimmy asked him, well, you know, you're playing Monopoly with somebody who refuses to pass go and, um, you know, collect, you know, isn't playing the game fairly, essentially. They're cheating. They're stealing money out of the out of the bank. And President Biden's response was, but if we if we break the rules for our own benefit, then our entire democracy is at risk. You know, we're essentially throwing that away because we've said we there's there's no point in trying to play fair. There's no point in following the rules. And then I, I believe that it ultimately just leads to a point of of making it OK for the rules to be broken even more by both sides, that it, it does become this, you know, building this crescendo of rule breaking until right. there's really nothing left at that point. It's a shell of of the former existence. And I, I think uh, and I don't know. Nina Turner, and I, I'm just telling, like, every time I've seen her, I watched a, a speech she gave in Ohio for Bernie Sanders years ago. I, I can't remember which time. It may have been 2020. She's ineffective. It's There's no doubt in my mind why she's a one-term congresswoman. Well, and I guess that was going to be my question, is what is her relevancy to any of this? She's loud and she hypes stuff up. I, I think a producer says, how do we make this a, a, 
how do we make this a good clip, basically? Yeah. Um, so she's getting played. And Miss Turner, I'm not trying to, like, maybe, again, open invitation. Maybe you can enlighten me in what you're saying. I can tell you as a person listening to the things you say, you, yes, there are there are life and death situations for people that are not white in this country, that live in lower income parts of this country, but your strategy misses across the board. It gets people very emotionally charged, but it doesn't do anything. Like you're like the, you're like a hype man. Well, and it, it felt to me like in that segment, it was very, let me play to the things that I believe are going to, you know, get coverage not necessarily like i don't think i don't think that's her bag though i think her bag is she's very passionate about what she believes in and that's fine like that is fine and that may i I don't i don't disagree with activists but i think activists their problem is they aren't the people that execute the plans they do a very good job of informing people and getting people to be on the same page about the specific problem but they're not executors. They do not execute. Like that is not their their gift. And I think there is a place for activism. I just don't think that they have they I don't think activists come with strategy. Yeah, I guess the the specific thing that kind of stood out to me she said something I hate, to I'm sorry. She is like the flavor flavor of politics. Here I come. Well, and that was that was the thing. She said something to the effect of, you know, I we need to be worried about the big mamas and the big daddies yeah. in the hood. We should measure based on what is best for big mama and big daddy in hoods where people are misunderstood, whether it's the rural hood, the urban hood, or the suburban hood. That is how you settle whether or not there will be a primary. And whether it's the urban hood or the suburban hood, and it was just or the rural hood. Yeah, Wait, I just what are you talking about? I was just kind of like, all right, you lost me there. <laughs> she's literally, in my opinion, she's like, uh, she's another Democratic hype man. It's like, yo, you guys are talking loud but saying nothing. You're talking loud and you're doing nothing. Doing nothing, yeah. And I think that Democrats, like, if you replace one word or one letter in the word, it goes from hope to hype. And they can play those cards. Oh, I thought cards. you were going to go from Democrats to Democrats. <laughs> No. <laughs> I mean, they are the party of hope, but they're also the party of hype, man. And it's like they're ineffective. And to and for media, especially like uh, for the news media, to keep playing to that, it's not it's not informing people. I think it's a waste of time. And Miss Turner, I'm not. I mean, I'm being honest. I'm just telling you like how your message is received. Maybe I'm missing something. Maybe you can enlighten me. But I'm not trying to be disrespectful. I'm just saying, like, yeah, you're, you're, that's not hitting for everybody. What you're saying doesn't hit well with everybody. Yeah. Um, and I, I think one of the things our country has a problem with is being able to critique and say, no, nah, that didn't, that didn't work well for me. So well, I'm just because especially the, lately, it feels like when you do that, you are often met with a lot of ridicule because you are by extension 
critiquing the underlying point or like the underlying issue, right? That if you don't just go along with, I mean, it's like part of it. Yeah. It's like this whole, the whole cancel culture crap, but I think it's, it's more than that too, where it's any time that you disagree with the, the voices in the room, they all turn on you and are like, Oh, how can you possibly not just believe that, you know, this is so, and it's like, no, I, I believe this is an important issue. I just don't necessarily think that these are the right solutions or this is the best way for us to be talking about it or that this is actually going to lead to anything productive in the long run. So how about, no, you know, you have to just accept that this is the way that it's going. No, I, no, I don't yeah. like strat. I mean, like if, if we're trying to fix the problem, you can't keep hooping and hollering about what, you know, this and that and doing nothing. Um, and I just, I find it very hard to believe that um, that is the norm. Like, that is literally the norm. And it's, you know, cancel culture. I don't care about cancel culture. I don't care about, oh, you got to be woke. No, some things are just, they, they're not truthful. <laughs> and you got to say it's not truthful. Uh, yeah, I care about what happens in the inner city. But am I going to call, oh, what? Uh, she, to 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 be fair, she can say the rural hood, right? There are a lot of trailer parks and yeah. and places like that where people are you know strung out on meth, but meth isn't the issue. Opioids aren't the issue. Uh, like when I drive through Richlands, North Carolina, there's a sign that says, "Don't do meth," right? And that is not a joke. That is not hyperbole. It, there's literally a handwritten sign that says "Don't" or spray painted sign that says "Don't do meth," right? The problem is, the root of the problem is, we don't have, as a country, a serious uh, view on what drugs do to certain communities. So if you go back to the late 70s into the 80s with the crack epidemic, now we're calling it a crack epidemic as opposed to a crime wave. We, We did nothing then, but you fast forward and when it hits the suburbs or it hits like, um, you know, more of white America, and now it's an epidemic. Now it's a meth epidemic. Now it's an opioid epidemic. Now it's a national crisis. So what I'm saying is, yeah, I agree that there are problems. I'm, I'm asking you, what are the solutions? What are practical solutions we can put in place? So your your cancel culture because you're not listening? Sure, cancel me. I don't. It does nothing to my life. Like I'm not on. I don't rock with social media like that in the first place. <laughs> Secondly. I'm not woke. Like I'm I'm telling you about problems that have been perpetuating for, you know, most of my most if not all of my lifetime. Right. And I'm asking for solutions. I'm not asking for rhetoric. I'm not asking for uh, a policy that, you know, leaves people behind. I'm asking for something that can actually solve the problem and being legit about it. Um so I'm not entertained. Uh but it, I mean the entertainment part goes into how we consume this information. Again, I'm going to give Joe, like, I don't know if we have a counter, but this is in public the second time I'm saying Joe was right, you know? Yeah. Uh, when you look at, like, you look at, go ahead, I'm, I'm going to take a drink. No, you're Joe, good. Um, Joe was right. <laughs> but, yeah, I think to bring it back to the, the main focus of our topic tonight, which is infotainment, you know, it's this – informing entertainment that has become extremely popular i think initially it seemed like 
there was a more of a focus on maybe like the the left leaning crowd. You know, I think like the Daily Show with John Stewart was one of the shows that I recall early on really kind of honing in on this level of we're talking about real serious issues but at the same time I'm going to be cracking jokes and we're going to put up funny graphics and you know I'm going to be over the top kind of animated in some of the ways that I respond to these things in other words 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 the ability to discuss issues such as beef In other words, we understand. We just don't get it. And at first, I thought it was good. I thought it was really positive that we could talk about these things and have an element of, you know, oh, that's funny what he says, but also come away with, man, but it's also really messed up. But I think the more that... I've seen a gravitation towards that, the more it feels like that presentation style is ultimately undercutting the Im- like the actual information. Right. That we're not walking away from it feeling compelled to do something or to make a change or to see solutions, that it was simply enough to be entertained or to feel woke in this you know oh well i laugh but i'm aware of the problem yeah exactly right. it's that awareness that ultimately was all that i was really going for as long as i can in conversation with somebody be able to reference the things that are made at a very high level then i feel like i've done my job to in, to inform myself about the issues at hand it's not really about finding actual solutions And, you know, I think we've talked about it. We talked about it specifically before with John Oliver, that there's a lot of bluffing that goes on with his segments where the one where he was uh, talking about data brokers and supposedly purchased all of these, this data or collected all of this data around Washington, D.C. and kind of threatened to release this information unless Congress did something to pass laws preventing the sale and brokerage of this information in the way that it's currently being done. And if you happen to be a legislator who is feeling a little nervous right now about whether your information is in this envelope and you are terrified about what I might do with it, you might want to channel that worry into making sure that I can't do anything. And yet, months later, we haven't heard anything about it. There's been no follow-up. There's no release of this information. There's no action in Congress going on for this to actually like be changed. And so what was the point? I mean, essentially, it was eyeballs, right? What better to but get I, people... But I said to... that. Oh, you did. You absolutely did. I mean, this is this is my turn to say Andre was right. Um, like, Joe, got, <laughs> Joe was right and Andre was right. The only person who's not right is Chris, apparently. <laughs> Um, but he's the white guy on the show, so we all knew that was coming. Oh, come on. I'm not doing that crap. I know you you're not. Harder. I do it I'm to just going to say try harder. Like, stop living your, your freaking Disneyland. <laughs> no, I'm sorry. <laughs> Snow White's Castle. Yeah. I'm sorry. That was wrong. I shouldn't have said that. No, it's but, whatever. <laughs> but, that was, but that was my initial response to that. It's like, you can't have those cards and not play them. Like, it just, just it seems wrong, right? 
Yeah, I looking back on it, I was I was very gung ho and supportive of like, oh no, I'm sure he'll do something with it, you know. And I think I looked at like the lawsuits that had taken place with him and that oil guy, um, you know, where he kept calling him out. But I realize now that there's right, and I get it to some degree that there's a certain level at which he's comfortable punching at. Yeah, there was no upside for him. Right. In the long run, what was ultimately going to happen if he... But if you're going to do that, just publish it. Don't threaten to publish it if they don't do it. Just publish it. and Because then the point <laughs> is, if I couldn't have collected this in the first place... If it wasn't available. Exactly. Right? And that's that's where it's it's dangerous. And I, and I think that... Um, and it's not to actually it is to call John Oliver out. He's got a room full of writers. Uh, he's got HBO he, money. Like Yeah, yeah. It's like <laughs> it's like uh Trevor Noah, he said, uh, why is everybody on Phil Mickelson about the uh the, the golf tournament thing? Mm-hmm. They're paying him two hundred million dollars. That is a that is literally what he's he's not wrong. Like he's gonna bank off of yeah, I don't Saudi Arabia, whatever, whatever. Right. Um, and the fact that most people will feel the exact same way ultimately. That yes, there will be this initial pushback and the pundits will go crazy because it's a story they can focus on and it can make them seem like they're super pro human rights or women's rights or whatever it is. And then it all fades to obscurity three weeks later and nobody cares about it. You know, the only people bringing up Khashoggi are journalists. Right. Like, that that is and I and I I want to be very clear. I'm not saying that what happened to him was justified. I I saw a uh, I watched uh, Farid. Uh, I can't man. I mess up everybody's name on uh, CNN. Um, Zakaria, yeah, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. That's that sounds closer to what I was about to say. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and he was talking about our complicated. Uh, it was like last weekend our complicated relationship with Saudi Arabia. Yeah. And that wove itself into the story somehow. You can't, sure, MDS did that, got it. But what about the other things that has happened to people in that country? Why is that one person is more valuable than than, than multitudes? Uh, Brittany Grimes, this is probably not going to be popular what I, what I say next. I'm sorry. Um, there are countless people across the globe and there are more people in Russia, and I'm not saying that she's only advocating for herself, that have been wrongfully detained in that country. Me personally, I would not go to a hostile country, you know, and then slip. That's just like not what I would do. Um, yeah. But I, I mean, and she went there for a paycheck, you know, like she was playing basketball there and she was getting paid. And so ultimately, that was the decision that she made. And whether it was just a weed pen as people want to make a big deal or it was CBD or whatever, like she essentially gave them an excuse to get in trouble. Put her in, yeah. To put her in the spotlight. And now I, I I'm being very careful with that. Cause I, I get it. I, like I like yeah. straight up get it. I know there's it's complexities. Well, if the WNBA paid her more money, she wouldn't have to do that. Sure. Got but it. That's not the 100%. world that we live in. So, or that's, that's not where she was at that point. Yeah. Like, right? She knew she was going to Russia. She knew these things were legal. And yes, she said she made a mistake. Got it. But I've traveled a lot 
and there are some things like I just didn't do. <laughs> like it's just, it's like I I've personally when I pack a bag, I check it twice and sometimes three times to make sure I'm not forgetting. Yeah, you're no Madison Cawthorn. You're not packing the heat in your yeah in your I know, suitcase right? three different times at the Charlotte airport. Yeah, I mean, so and I'm not. Uh, I do have sympathy, and I I, I get it. I, I'm not trying to discount that, but I'm just saying like she's sucking up all their air in the room for people that you know may not have had CBD in their bags, right? Um, well, and this outcry that—I mean, I think it was her girlfriend specifically, her wife, or her, her wife, wife. Sorry, yeah. um, who basically was like, "If there's anything that you can do, President Biden, just do it," you know. And I'm—I'm I'm sure that it was like somewhat within reason that it's not like, "Well, hand over the keys to the country to Putin, and then she right. can come home." Um, but the underlying message still feels very. I'm going to say it self-serving in that sense where it's, it's very singularly focused. It's not, Hey, my wife is part of a, you know, group of people that are being held unlawfully or, you know, that, that shouldn't be in prison and we need to work to get all of them out. It seems like, you know, I just want my wife to come home and, you need that, to focus on just getting that done. And maybe I'm And that's that's the fence that I think that I'm emotionally riding on. Maybe that's that's what she could have meant, right? Yeah. Um I, I don't have an answer, but I'm also you know, I and I maybe it's her part of her path to bring more exposure to the fact that there's multiple people, I think it's thirty three people or thirty three countries, one thirty three something or another that are like wrongfully detained in hostile countries. Yeah. And uh, here, let me, let me, let me bring this back personally for me. So we were planning on going to Peru. Uh, my father-in-law is back there now, but Peru is like a hot spot right now. And our family members are like, even ones that live in Peru are like, nah, <laughs> like, nah, nah, not a good time right now. Yeah. So, like, you've got to know when something, when a place that you would typically want to go adventure to, if it's a hotspot, when has Russia not been a hotspot? Right? Um, when has Afghanistan not been a hotspot? Uh, like, we, you know, seriously, as a couple, we've been thinking about going to Israel. And my biggest reservation is like, yo, Israel's not safe. Right. <laughs> like, Egypt. Egypt is, Egypt. you know, like on the top of my like bucket list of countries I'd love to travel to someday. But you're not going to catch me planning a trip there anytime soon because of the unrest and everything that's going on over there. Like, there's, right. it's not worth it to put myself in that level of potential danger. Or the risk is too high. Not exactly. that it's not worth it. It's well, just that the. But, but I think those are the same things ultimately. Sure, sure, uh, that's fair, right? But I, I look at it like face value risk. Am I doing that? Probably not. Right. right. Um, it, 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 it turns into like the scary movie complex that we have. If 20 people died last summer and 15 people died the last summer and 14 people died the summer before that at Lake, you know, kill a motherfucker. Why am I going to go camp there this summer? <laughs> yes. <laughs> 
Well, because you want to prove what a tough, you know, MFer you are, <laughs> and because the the cheerleaders in the skimpy short shorts are really wanting to go. No, I'll pass. Yeah, <laughs> like I'm just I'm, I'm good. I hear you. I mean, so that's that's where I, I feel like, and I'm not. I don't want to talk about that particular instance that we're having in the country, but the media is not doing her any justice. Well, and I think it also kind of brings up the point of those, you talked about the 33 people or 33 countries or whatever it is where the people are being unlawfully detained or wrongfully detained. How many people in the United States right now are wrongfully detained? Right. I mean, Gitmo, still operating, right? Technically, it's in Cuba. <laughs> But I'm just saying. Right. <laughs> Closer to home is Rikers Island. Closer to home is like uh, any of these privately funded prisons. And there, there's yeah. a lot of. And not everybody knows Kim Kardashian. Not everybody's going to get on her radar and have somebody to advocate for them. And, and, and it's not to it's not to minimize anybody's like strife. And I, I'm not trying to do that. I'm just saying like the media does a great injustice to those people. Um, that's why I don't trust you. Like. I'm not. I'm neither one of us were saying at any point that Brittany Grimer's case is not important, but we're also saying that. But we are saying that there are other things that are wrong that we should be reporting about. In uh, addition a, to her case, in, exactly. Yeah. Right. Um, not that every story's got to, that's reported has got to be negative news. No. Well, well because on the contrary. Regardless of the your perception or your view of it, negative or positive, you know, negative, somebody's in jail wrongfully or whatever, or somebody saves a cat from a tree, positive, it's news. What's going to reach out to the people that are that want to be informed? I think that, you know, average people want to be informed. They want to be aware of things that are relevant and that they should be aware of, not not regardless of their relevancy, to help them to make better informed decisions. Not what you cherry pick um, and, and tell us what we want to hear. See, and it's interesting. Or what you want us to hear. Because I, Christy was giving me crap a couple of months ago because I was sitting on the couch reading the local newspaper. Not like the Wilmington newspaper, but literally like the Island Gazette that is printed two doors down from my office right here um i know the guy that owns it and runs it not like really well but uh, you know like neighbors here so i say hey every once in a while and i get so much more enjoyment out of that because i feel like it's a couple of things one i mean obviously it's hyper local right it's all the stuff that's going on right here so i feel it's super relevant to my life in that moment but secondly, I can read a headline, maybe read a, a sentence or two, kind of skim through it, and then decide whether or not I want to finish reading it. You know, like right. when it comes to television news coverage, I feel like that's significantly less of an option unless you're pre-recording everything and then just fast forwarding through it. Now on the internet, yeah, it's, it's a lot of the same, but I still feel like there's a a level of bombardment that occurs with that. I mean, it, 
how many times do you click on an article? Do you go to read an article headline and a video is up at the top and the video isn't actually about the article or the topic? It's like <laughs> it's tangentially related, but it's right. not like the actual news coverage on that article. Way more often than not. And the, the tableau and the other spammy articles at the bottom. Like I don't I don't have time for that. Um, <laughs> I yeah. Like I, I just I choose not to. It's like I, I can't trust you because of not because that your intent is wrong. It's your execution is flawed. Yes. Right? If your intent of going to journalism school is to be a journalist, if your intent of being an editor is to make sure that the story is conveyed properly, your execution's lacking. Um, and what's sad is I'll give you two recent current events that just kind of blow my mind. Uvalde and the January 6th um, committee. Mm -hmm. I'll start with the, the lighthearted one first. The January 6th committee is that case was proven on the first airing of that committee. There has been literally no evident movement from the DOJ to prosecute or to even indict the former president. I actually read that the committee hearings could be detrimental to the DOJ prosecuting because typically in a prosecution case like this in a criminal case you want your witnesses speaking as little as possible publicly especially in an under oath setting like this because then it gives the defense an opportunity to go back when you come back to retestify to then pick things apart but that's not not that that should preclude them from going through with it yeah, but I, I still think ultimately what it boils down to is that Merrick Garland Merrick Garland, Attorney General Garland, does not want to prosecute a former president. That they are essentially standing by this historical precedent of not prosecuting former or presidents for this kind of thing. But I say this kind of thing meaning breaking the law, not trying to overthrow the government, because I'm pretty sure we've never had a former president try to do that. Uh Touch and go. I believe that uh, during the after the uh, Civil War, there was a little bit of that, um, and even within the uh, Southern states, there's a little bit of uh, some strife there also. So, yeah. like in recent history, sure, but has it been done before? Yeah, it's been done before. Um, I feel like Andrew Jackson. I don't know why, but that name just I feel like if anybody was going to do it, it would probably. Be, you know, <laughs> So, so I, I, you know, I, I think the case has been made. So if the, I'm not critiquing the committee. I just think that, again, my gut feeling is nothing's going to happen. Oh. Right. Um, and the media's job is not to give me pundits to tell me what their sources are saying. It's to, like, factually report on it. Oh, even better. Um, give me law professors telling me how whether or not they think president former president trump should be indicted or charged with crimes that's what really makes a difference in my life the number of articles that i've read or not even like read but the headlines that i've seen 
where it's you know f- former Harvard law professor says Trump will def will most likely be indicted or should be you know could face criminal charges. It's like of course he could. Yes, no, duh. Like is that really what we're sitting here talking about? Whether or not he could face charges when the committee is literally investigating whether or not crimes occurred. <laughs> They, they'd be like gangbusters in Vegas, right? Because yeah, they got the odds like packed. Captain Obvious, which is painful to talk about as Uvalde. Uh, I unfortunately watched the video of police officers, you know, hanging out in the hallway. I recommend that you do not watch that video. If you're listening and it happens to show up, please do not watch it. Now, here's what blew my mind. As the news is reporting on the release of the video, as they're showing the video, mm-hmm. they're saying that parents were upset because the video got leaked and they wanted an opportunity to watch it together. And it, you know, they, it should have been released a different way. But what are they doing at the same time? They're showing the video. Yeah, this video that we're about to show you should not have been re- leaked or released, but we got hold of it and everybody else is playing it. So we're going to play it too, because God forbid we miss out on a couple of eyeballs here or there. You can't go somewhere else for your news. You've got to stay here. Yeah. It's just like, where's your, where, sure. Fact should be, fact should be neutral and they should be objective. Right. Um, but where's your compassion? It just gave me like this really bad taste to see that. So it's like, oh, that's interesting. So their their game is what it is. It's to, they, they have no incentive to, in my opinion, not a journalist, maybe a journalist can tell me, maybe, enlighten me, enlighten us. Because I can just tell you my perception of what you're doing is way off of what I believe you should be doing or way off of, or it's way far away from what you say you're trying to accomplish. I, the two, they, they don't match. And it's disappointing. It's like, it's, I can't say it any better than that. It's just disappointing. Um, and I probably already got canceled for the whole Brittany Grimes thing. <laughs> so so I, I really don't care. Um, it, it, it's, I don't want to be entertained. Like, I don't believe the, I don't believe CNN, MSNBC, Fox News, uh, ABC, NBC, CBS. Don't ever do another 4th of July celebration ever again. It's not your job. Like the fact that you're putting so much production and production cost into a 4th of July celebration blows my mind. Like I, I just don't get that. Um, I mean, look at like, the Macy's Day Parade. Or the Macy's Thanksgiving Day Parade, like yeah, don't don't understand that. How much money goes into that? How much effort, and yet, all because they know that if that's not what they were putting on, people wouldn't pay as much attention. Not that nobody would pay attention to the news the that they major- should be covering. Yeah, New York New Yorkers would pay attention to the uh, Macy Day's Parade, uh, Macy's Thanksgiving Day Parade. Somebody in Arizona. Probably not so much, right? But you guys bombard the airwaves with, like, that parade. If I don't live in New York, I really don't care. Yeah. That parade is, I think, over 100 years old or 75 years, one of the two. 
Like what happened before national broadcasts went that long, right? Or they they were able to go across the country like that. It's not the Macy Day's Parade is not a uh, an institution. I mean, how old is it? <laughs> well, before that, they would report it on in on it in the newspaper, but it was much less enthralling. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah, so how old is it? Uh, age. I don't care how old is it. Started in 1924. Okay, yeah, so it's almost 100 years old. Yeah, so nobody, like, it wasn't that big of a deal before. People may have reported on it, and that's it. They moved on, but, like, that's not news. Like, I, I don't need you to entertain me. I don't care about Patagonia, <laughs> like CNN. Like I, I don't care. Uh, not that I don't care about it, but the it's region not... or the company. Uh, <laughs> wow, that's a that's a. Well, I guess I I don't. Well, I know there's a company, but I don't buy their stuff because um, all the finance bros. Um, it's kind of like how uh, some group of people ruined uh, Carhartt for me. Like I used to actually wear Carhartt to go to work, and then. You know, a jacket I could buy for like fifty bucks became like two hundred and twenty. <laughs> they are not inexpensive, but full disclosure, they are one of my customers. <laughs> I, I think they're great. I mean, I I do enjoy the clothes. I just don't understand. Like, uh, actually, I understand that it became like a, a a trendy thing to do. But to my original point, I I, I just I I'm just very disenchanted with what um, the news. Or how we receive information as a society, um, and the purpose of delivering that information to you—it's not to solve anything. Yeah, I, I just don't understand that. And I think it's it's really twofold, like what we've kind of talked about here. That's the lack of integrity and the inability to present information without opinion by the news itself by journalistic organizations and it's the assumption of that role to some degree by entertainment properties yeah and those two things are not ultimately leading to a betterment of society to a, to a, a better informed um citizenry it's not really creating anything except for a sense of numbness to the the way that news is presented and a belief that awareness is the same as doing something about it when it comes to entertainment yeah uh that is uh in my corporate career i you know i would work with people and i'm like yeah, so you have a problem, and I'd always be waiting, so what are we going to do about it? Not that I'm asking the person to tell me what they're going to do to solve it, but, like, does it move you to action? Like, to, to keep telling me there's something broken without any idea of, okay, so what's next? Can even it even my, be fixed, right? Yeah. Is this something that we can solve? I mean, I, I'm, I throw around, I don't have a solve a lot, because, like, I know that, you, you just can't keep stating problems without, well, okay, it, what's next or is there a next? And you would always famously say, we can't park on that speed bump. 
<laughs> right? And that's yeah. the that's the thing is that you get it's very easy especially in business, I think, and but in life in general to to be distracted by what is ultimately not a uh, a roadblock of a problem. Something right. that may be annoying or irritating or something that's completely out of your control that you wish was different, but it's not preventing you from achieving what you need. So how do we get around it, right? Or maybe it is something that you can solve, right? Maybe it's something right. that by by sitting down with the right person or having the right you know conversation, you can actually make progress on, in solving that. But if we don't sit down and figure out what that solution plan might look like, we're just going to sit here and waste time doing nothing about it. I, I've been impressed with the the countless attorneys and or lawyers that have talked about the the true problem with Roe versus Wade, and the fact that for some reason people are missing the point in the Supreme Court overturning Roe versus Wade. Mm-hmm. And there are two parts. One, there is technically no. Well, there, obviously, it is factual, truthful, that there is no constitutional right to abortion. Right. The issue and the basis of Roe versus Wade had nothing to do with abortion. Right. It had to do with privacy. Yeah. But the, the narrative is abortion has been taken away as a right. And I don't understand it. Like, I, I just don't understand the, the fallacy of that way of thinking. I just don't get how people miss the point. Um, and the media is partially to blame for that. Um, yeah, because they play into it. Yeah. It's, it's, the, it's the headline grabber, you know. Roe v. Wade decision, uh, you know, abortion ban now goes into effect in certain states right oh don't forget that part well it doesn't fit on the headline so let's just cut it off um but <laughs> it's it is a young girl that said like the, the, she got like the uh request for money <laughs> too like i i tell you what i don't i don't into the i think it was vote blue one time yeah. before 2020 and every democrat running for office since then and i think i, I specifically donated money to the biden harris ticket but you better believe every democrat in the country wanted like just five dollars yep. we just want five dollars i need about 350. yeah and so that what when, when that lady said that i was like she's so spot on with that it, it is so but that's the loop you kept seeing that loop everywhere you went like every time i was i opened up the news on my browser or whatever she I mean, she went viral for that, basically. Yeah. Um, I don't know, man. Like, we were... Are we doing the thing, though, that we just talked about not doing, where we're sitting here talking about this problem, but we're <laughs> we're, <laughs> we're not really <laughs> presenting solutions for it? Or, like, like how, how are we going to solve this, right? What, what, are we, what can we do, ultimately, to try and make this better? I think... You know, first off, like obviously there's the the need in today's digital world for our attention. And we can vote much like you vote with your wallet, you can vote with your attention span. 
And so the things that you engage with and the things that you pay attention to and the headlines that you click on are ultimately what are going to be perpetuated going forward. So being more discerning about what it is that we engage with could be part of that solution. But obviously you and I doing that alone isn't going to be enough to solve that problem. You know, doing what we're doing here hopefully is helping because we're trying to bring to light these issues and some of the fallacies that are being thrown around right now. And, but I, I don't know. I mean, I, is there some other piece that you see as a potential solution? Yeah, I, I think it, but yes, I do. I think a simple solution is stop giving me random. There's two, it's two parts, right? but I, they play into the same lane. Okay. Um, we can all agree that the comment sections on anything on the internet are, that's a treasure trove of WTF 99% of the time. What if the, if I owned that company, if I owned, uh, the New York times, for, for example, mm -hmm. and I had a department that actually went through the comments and listened to to the voices of, yeah, this isn't really relevant. No, I know. It's a big ask. But it's real-time engagement with what you're giving to your customers. And if you, if you reach out and build a relationship with that customer and say, hey, so you did say that this wasn't relevant. Why is that? You know, pull, do a sidebar. Reach out to people and make that part of your practice. If you want to be a, like any type of business wants to grow, media is no different. You can't assume that people are just going to walk through your doors or just going to accept what you say. Uh, because when you're, when you're wrong, you're, there are repercussions to that. So I do, I would suggest that listen to your customers. The second thing I would say is like, stop with the, the bias polls like there's nothing worse like i saw like i keep i, I keep seeing polls commissioned by people that have a bias right <laughs> like ipsos like, polls you remember when trump had a poll where it was like you know take this poll to save america and i did because i was just really curious how poorly it was going to be formatted and it was so blatantly biased where it was like how much do you not trust the liberal media? A lot, a whole lot, or a whole heck of a lot were like the only <laughs> options, you know? Like it was stuff like that where it was obviously written to create a specific outcome. And right. surveying and and polling without bias is incredibly difficult. It is it is a there's a science to it. I think I mean, I recall that from our time at E-Area in trying to do some very basic surveys about right. technology and platforms and scripting languages and stuff like that, where it was really easy to not recognize the bias that you were creating with the way that you formatted it. I mean, it goes from it's as simple as where does the marker start on your zero to 10 scale? You know, like that in and of itself has the potential to create bias. And so I, I don't know. It's um, sorry. That was that was a little bit of an aside but, there. But no, but it's fair. But but truly engage people to figure out uh, where they're engaging with you. Reach out to them. 
where they're not solicit the information um, and try to remove as much bias as possible. I mean, the challenge is how do you become better? Right. Not that you are sitting on a throne and, and maybe maybe media companies, since they're not owned solely by one entity anymore, that may, that may not be that much of a concern. But if you're trying to preserve your uh, your professional life as a company, you got to do something different. And, you know, you know, buying time from Ipsos to create a poll for you, but you, you have bias. It's like a Facebook's whatever project. The, the Edge, Edge project. project, yeah. Every time I see that commercial, Ipsos is one of the, it's become one of my least favorite com- companies. Because they buy a poll from them, and if you if you watch the entire commercial, you're like, "Yo, that's a lot of bias." Eighty four percent of Americans believe the country is going in the wrong way. That's not true. Only when it comes to big tech being silenced by a big government. Like <laughs> what? <laughs> Congress is going to make it harder for us to create jobs and make the world a better place because they're big doo doo meanie heads. Newsflash: uh, Zuckerberg just won a record saying he's going to lay off like uh, I think it, like ten thousand pe- employees or something. Some something thousand employees. I, I don't want to misquote it. So he's he and his company control that, not the government. Um, and, and I, I just I. So yeah, there are solves. It's like being able to, when I was in real estate, I was uh, doing a listing presentation and I had some stats, right? And uh, somebody told me, you know, stats can say whatever you want them to say. And I never approached a presentation in that manner. Like, I don't think I've ever done that. You're not out looking for the facts to verify your opinion or to make your point for you. Right. I'm pretty neutral when it comes to like, oh, like, man, that's 30% of these results are bad. So I'm not going to take it off the board right. and just like not share with anybody. It's silly. Yeah. Uh, because if you're, if you're trying to improve something, you can use that 30, that negative 30% or the, the non-favorable 30% to show opportunity to make it better, um, not to hide it from people. So, there's a lot of that going on. Like you can convince people to do a lot of things that they probably wouldn't do, but you're, if you're the expert in the room, like it's your job is that much easier. Um, one, one of the reasons I don't like sales in general, and I, and I did do sales for a short amount of time, both in real estate and another field, because people think they close people on, on deals. That is not true. Put that coffee down. Coffee's for closers only. Like, if I'm going to buy something, I've already decided to buy it. End of story. That's like, if you're a salesperson and you think I'm wrong, I will, that's a hill I'm willing to die on. I mean, how many times at E-Area did we hear the term, the phrase, what do you need to close this today? You know? Well, I need this person to have already decided before we had this conversation that they were going to buy it. <laughs> and if they weren't there, uh, I mean, 
are there things that I could get to do make them do it today versus tomorrow? Maybe. But ultimately, I'm giving away something I don't need to give away just so you can right. have the result sooner than you want it, or you know, faster than it would naturally come. And that's just weird. So, like, we've got to get out of there. There's a lot of tropes that we operate under as a society that are just, they're not true. And I, I think that, um, yeah, I, I think that those two things and, and getting out of the mentality that you're convincing, you can convince people, but to your point, you're giving away something that you probably don't necessarily need to give away. People are smart enough that they're going to have a predetermination of what they're going to do. You're probably, you can present them new facts. It, it, hopefully they're truthful okay. and they're going to decide from there right the media's job is not to it, or is, is to eliminate as much bias as possible show literally show both sides of the story don't make nina turner a don't make her the sacrificial lamb that is a prime example of what i'm talking about they're trying to increase ad revenue either on the front end on the episode or the back end on the clip yep <laughs> and she's the sacrificial lamb and she loses credibility thus in turn like the network as a whole will lose credibility so brian stelter i think you, the name of your show reliable sources is great john oliver i i think that what you're trying to accomplish with your writers and producers this is not a personal shot at you i'm just giving you feedback unsolicited as it may be to say that you're not doing yourself any justice you, you if if your objective as a company is to churn through customers as a whole as a society that is working very well if your goal and objective as a company is to have repeat customers we are we are way off the market for that so and that's across industries and media just happens to, like especially infotainment happens to be the target today so that's all i got there yeah it's well said uh well i guess that's it for the big rant today isn't it are you not entertained are you not entertained are you not entertained is this not why you are here Are you not infotained? That's, that is still one of my favorite movies. I thought it was a great movie. Eh, that's um, okay. Yeah. It's a great movie. Yeah. Whatever. Agree to disagree. <laughs> well, we're glad you joined us. This is something that we've been talking about, like, uh, for a while. It's it's intellectually frustrating to me. Like, it, like, if you can see through the BS and nobody's calling it out, it's just like, I, I probably couldn't do an interview on a, on a, uh, uh a, a new show like <laughs> are you full of shit <laughs> like whoa <laughs> and, and uh sir this is a wendy's yeah <laughs> so i i just hope that people start to like uh, many episodes ago we talked about it because it a big like blocker for me is the fact that critical thinking is not something that we as a society or in our educational system, political science system, or any, a, lot, a lot of systems don't use anymore. We need to get back to basics and ask some better questions. Uh, we're really glad you joined us. There is a guy, Spencer, I'm going to 
steal something from him, but also give him credit for him. Fort Spencer, <laughs> Core, and I, I am killing names today. Spencer Cornelia. He's somebody been watching a lot on YouTube. Um, and he made a comment about his YouTube page, YouTube, uh, page where he never asked people to subscribe. So from going, going forward, we're going to stop asking people to subscribe. Uh, but Leon Lush is always talking about a hip thrust. <laughs> so hip thrusts that subscribe button. And I've been watching a lot of Leon Lush's videos lately because they're pretty funny commentaries <laughs> on what happens in social media. Thrust that subscribe button. Yeah, it's hilarious. Uh, so shout out to Leon Lush. I'm a uh, new subscriber to your channel. I think you have some great stuff. So shout out to you there. But what I will, I'm gonna, I'm gonna personally stop doing. Chris, he's a grown man. He can do what he wants to do. Yeah. I'm gonna let you know where you can find us. You can find us on YouTube, obviously. Listen to us on. Uh, you can probably still listen to us on SoundCloud. We host all of our podcasts on Riverside.fm, which has been a great service. This is not an advertisement. Uh, Spotify, Hold on one Apple. Second. I hate to interrupt you and then to follow that up by correcting you in public, but we host on Fireside.fm. We record on Riverside.fm. Ooh. Ooh, that was a twofer. Yeah. Yes, those both things are correct. Um, <laughs> you can find us on Google Podcasts, also Apple uh, Podcasts, Spotify. I said that already. Pandora. We're iHeartRadio. We're new on iHeartRadio. What, what? 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 So we're we are super glad that people listen. If you like it, please let us know. You can send us comments, suggestions, any type of feedback, positive, negative, uh, at comments at christianandreshow.com. You can always send me an email at andrechristianandreshow.com. Yeah, you got that out. Or you can reach me <laughs> via email at chris at com. You may see some stuff happening on the Twitters. We're not really checking it out because it's just not the spot. Oh, but don't it, do that. If you <laughs> see anything on Twitter these days, it's not me. <laughs> I might low-key put some stuff out there. Uh but I'm trying to like just stay out of that uh, echo chamber. <laughs> but uh, we're super glad you joined us. I'm I can't wait tonight to watch the uh, season finale and possibly the the show finale of uh, Miss Marvel. Looking forward to that. Me too. Uh, my youngest brother, you know, said that Thor: Love and Thunder was fantastic. So did he like uh, the Tomorrow War? Is that the one who liked the Tomorrow War? No, 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 no. Okay. That was my okay. Oh, then I yeah. like his opinion. <laughs> so I'm probably gonna try to weasel some time in there. Uh, my background hasn't changed much, but I'm operating out of 10% of my office in a in the middle of a remodel, and it's been hell. My lighting is suffering for it now. I can notice as the sun's going down, but we definitely. Uh, and, and my buddy here, my boy, my best friend, just had a baby. So I'm super proud of him and happy for him and his family. And tomorrow is his birthday. So I'm super excited about that. You're, I'm going to be the first person that calls you. Or I might even call you when I wake up. So put your if you get a missed call, I want to at least be the first person to call you. That's, so I don't really that's cool. No problem. You'll be the first person I, I call back. Well, I appreciate that. And uh, it's we really do enjoy doing this. So we do this out of... We do this because we enjoy doing it. I was going to say, we do it out of love. Love for each yeah. other. <laughs> I was just like, that just sounds... 
It's it. We just because we love doing it, we and we love challenging the way people like these are things that we think about throughout the week. Um, yeah. So yeah, if you like the Chris and Andre show, let us know. Hit us up however you want to. I got nothing else, Chris. You got anything? Nope. I think that was very uneloquently put, but I try my best. There's a lot of words to best. say a couple of things, but you know, like usually it's me on the other end of this. So that's the only reason I'm. <laughs> I'm pointing it out this time, but no, this is great. Uh, really good to get back into it. We hope you guys enjoyed it. Um, I'll do my best to get this episode up as quickly as possible because I'm not falling into that trap of having backlogs of episodes built up. Um, if you haven't, head over to YouTube and check out some of our shorts. Uh, Chris, me, has been working some magic with his video editing skills to, uh, to come up with some some very what he considers to be very entertaining shorts you know you're talking about yourself in third person right he does yes he does okay just just want to clarify that <laughs> so <laughs> we're super glad you join us as always i'm andre and i'm chris and we'll talk to you next time Hey guys, it's Chris from the Chris and Andre Show here. Just wanted to say thanks for checking out our show. We hope you enjoyed it. If you would, subscribe, like, make sure to hit the notification bell so you get alerts when we post new videos, and leave a comment with your favorite part of the most recent episode that you watched. We'll see you on the next one.